Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is a senior fellow with the Council of Foreign Relations, Max Boot, and I am also a, a huge fan of your writing on war and, and little wars. You really helped me understand what the heck's been going on the last 15 years, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, so, speaking of which, what, what the heck is going on in Iraq? And in particular, should people be surprised that it appears that an army has appeared out of nowhere and is sweeping across northern Iraq? I don't think it's really appeared out of nowhere. I think it's really appeared out of two related trends. One is the plunge of Syria into all-out civil war, which has provided an opening for what used to be known as al-Qaeda in Iraq, now known as al-Qaeda in Iraq and Syria, to regenerate itself in Syria. And the related trend is that in Iraq itself, Prime Minister Maliki, a sectarian Shiite, has so alienated the Sunnis that many of them who once fought against al-Qaeda as recently as 2008 are now welcoming al-Qaeda back into the country as their defender against the sectarian Shiites they see dominant in Baghdad. So those two trends, along with the larger trend of American neglect of both Syria and Iraq, has allowed uh, al-Qaeda, which was essentially defeated in Iraq in 2007-2008, to arise out of its grave and to once again become a potent threat to the future of that country and of the region. Uh, the ISIS group, uh, when you, you call them al-Qaeda, and I've had uh, seen some media reports which people have said, no, these guys are more extreme than al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda has denounced them. Uh, who are they and where would you put them on this map of sectarianism and uh, 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 vision of Islam and also from a standpoint of military ability and preparedness? Well, in many ways, they are the most threatening al-Qaeda affiliate group in the world. Now, they've, there have been some differences, tactical differences, between al-Qaeda in Iraq, now known as ISIS, and al-Qaeda Central in Pakistan, but their ideology is almost identical, and if anything, they're even more hardcore because in the past, the leadership of al-Qaeda Central has actually criticized uh, al-Qaeda in Iraq for being so extreme in their willingness to slaughter Shiites and kill civilians uh, in ways that tactically backfire. Uh, but essentially what they're doing is they are trying to create their own version of an Islamist caliphate similar to Taliban or Afghanistan, this one stretching from northern Syria to northern Iraq. That's what they're doing, and, and, and so far they're being pretty successful at it. Uh, and the uh, the conversation in the United States has been what are our options, how should we respond to this? And before we get to the real uh, you know, pragmatic questions, what we can pragmatically do uh, as far as tactics, etc. What should our approach be overall to the current status of both sectarian fighting and then fighting inspired by radical, a radical vision of Islam as a general proposition, whether it's in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or elsewhere around the region? Well, we need to understand that it is a clear and present danger to us, to our interests, and to our allies. We can't afford to walk away from the region to ignore this bloodbath and say, oh, it's just Sunnis killing Shiites. Who cares? I mean, aside from the terrible human toll of what's going on with over 150,000 people being killed in Syria and the death count going up all the time in Iraq as well, aside from that horrible humanitarian disaster, it's also a strategic disaster uh, because what you're seeing in Syria and what you may now be seeing in Iraq as well the countries are getting divided up between 
on the one hand, sectarian Sunnis, on the other hand, sectarian Shiites. One group is affiliated with Iran, the other group is affiliated with Al-Qaeda. Those are the two biggest enemies that we have in the world, and to allow them to control this much territory is a disaster for American interests in the region. So then, specifically, more pragmatically, with this fight of Al-Qaeda in, in Iraq and Syria, uh, what should the U.S.'s approach be, in your opinion? I think we need to get more involved than President Obama has been so far. And, you know, the reason why the situation has gotten as bad as it has is essentially because of American neglect. In the case of Syria, I think all along we should have been providing much more aid to the non-jihadist opposition groups if we had done that. ISIS might not have gained such a foothold as it has done in, in Syria. In the case of Iraq, there's not a simple military solution because, you know, we can mount all the airstrikes we want, but we're not going to solve this problem as long as Prime Minister Maliki is alienating the Sunnis. I think there has to be a political solution, and there's a chance for one right now because Maliki wants a third term, but his party did not win enough seats for him to, to win a third term on his own. He needs the support of other political factions in Iraq, I think what we need to do is to throw whatever weight we have remaining in Iraq on the side of Maliki's opponents in the political system, telling the other political parties, Shiite, Sunni, and Kurd, that they need to find another leader for Iraq, somebody who will be less sectarian than Maliki, somebody who will heal the divide in Iraq rather than exacerbating it, as Maliki has done. What would you describe as the level of influence the U.S. has today? You know, Americans think, my gosh, we sacrificed 4,500 men and we lost in the field, tens of thousands more injured, a trillion dollars. You know, we ought to have a say in Iraq, but uh, sometimes watching what's going on, you get the sense that we really aren't the significant players in the way that obviously Iran would be. Tragically, we sacrificed a lot of our influence. We sacrificed a lot of what our troops fought for uh, when we pulled our, our residual forces out of Iraq at the end of 2011. And so unfortunately, our influence is, is much less now than it was just a few years ago. I mean, I, I and many others warned at the time that this would create a vacuum into which uh, all sorts of uh, sectarian actors would step in and tear Iraq apart. And sadly, that's what's happened. I think we need to do now what we can to try to reassert American influence, but it's very hard because we no longer have troops there. We don't have the kind of deep engagement in Iraqi politics that we had just a few years ago. And likewise, in Syria, it would have been much easier for the United States to influence the outcome in a positive direction if we had done more a few years ago. The situation is pretty far gone right now, so it makes it much harder to, to push it in a positive direction. You, the President of the United States uh, announced late Friday that he's going to talk to his advisors about taking some action at some point in the future, uh, indicating, number one, that ISIS has free reign to do what they want to do without worrying about American actions in the next few days. And number two, indicating that they're going to start with a political, they'll have, there has to be some political aspect before we act. Do we have that kind of time in this circumstance? Is it the case that maybe that they've kind of, ISIS has done, you know, picked the low-hanging fruit and, and they're going to slow down anyway, and so we do have some time? Or do they have the capability of really getting enough Sunni support to, say, push into Baghdad or to uh, consolidate their gains in a way that will be very difficult to dislodge them? Well, ISIS certainly seems to be moving pretty fast, so I don't think we have a lot of time. 
Now, I think they're going to be, there's going to be a natural limit to their advance because once they hit the Shiite heartland uh, of Iraq, once they hit the significant Shiite population of Baghdad, there's going to be a lot of pushback against them. But unfortunately, I think a lot of that pushback is going to come from sectarian Shiite militias like Assad al-Haq and uh, the Qatab Hezbollah, which groups that are basically pretty much as bad as ISIS, just as bloodthirsty, however, on a different side of the sectarian divide. So if that happens, what you'll see is that Iraq could descend into the same kind of abyss of all-out civil war that already uh, grips Syria. That's not a good outcome. That's a terrible outcome. In fact, I think right now there's a narrow window of opportunity to salvage a functioning state in Iraq, uh, but we need to act decisively to do that. And, and you know, just sitting around pondering options isn't going to get the job done. One last question for you, because it's kind of come up several times obliquely, the idea that if we support the more moderate actors, if we you know, with uh, militarily, financially, etc., that's where we need to be. You said earlier that we should have done that in, in Syria. I talk to Americans who just simply say that there's no such thing. And I also have noticed that when I've tried to follow your writing and others and people try to identify, say, for example, in Syria, here's a group where you could really go that has any standing inside Syria, that if they're popular with us, they don't have much of a following you know, in Syria or Iraq, etc. Is there a viable, not as bad group in the region that we could work with, actors who could take our resources and actually have a big enough following to make a difference? Of course. I mean, we saw that in the case of Iraq in 2007-2008 when the Sunni tribes turned against Al-Qaeda and fought alongside our soldiers and Marines to deal Al-Qaeda in Iraq a massive defeat. Uh, the Sunni tribes don't, don't love ISIS now. Uh, they simply see ISIS as being uh, a, a convenient defender of their interests. But if they were convinced uh, that there was somebody in leadership in Baghdad that was looking out for the Sunnis and was not out to victimize them, they could turn overnight, as they did in 2007, 2008. Uh, these extremist groups are not very popular. When they actually take over areas, most people chafe under their rule. That's why it was so easy to overthrow the Taliban in Afghanistan in 2001. That's why it was so easy to chase al-Qaeda out of Anbar province in 2007, 2008. But the people need to see a viable alternative. And right now there is not one in either Iraq or Syria. The people are confronted with this terrible choice between supporting either Sunni or Shiite extremists, which is not where most ordinary people want to be. And I, I think in our interest is to work with the more, and there are, there are uh, moderate factions in, in, in both countries. Uh, the problem is that because of our hands-off attitude, we've allowed the situation to spin out of control, and the moderates are getting progressively more marginalized. So it becomes harder and harder to mobilize them, whereas the extremists are empowered by this kind of violent, chaotic situation. Max Boot, Senior Fellow with the Council of Foreign Relations, thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.